This is Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada, the national occupational health and safety magazine published by Annex Business Media. You've tuned in to hear conversations with Canadian safety professionals on the latest in OHS trends and research. Hello and welcome to the Safe Zone podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Vanderweer, editor of OHS Canada. I'm joined today by Wagish Yajaman, Manager of Specialty Services with WSPS, Workplace Safety and Prevention Services in Mississauga, Ontario. Thanks, Wagish, and welcome. Thanks, Marcel. Today, Wagish and I will be discussing proper mask selection and usage during the global COVID-19 pandemic. Mask policies have been implemented across Canada as a primary way to reduce the spread of coronavirus. Mask usage recommendations have shifted periodically as health experts continue to learn more about this virus. And Wagish, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your knowledge in this area. Mask advice has changed in Canada since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, most recently from two-layer cloth masks to three layers. And there's also been some changes in Ontario very recently to restrictions in terms of color coding. What advice might you have for employers or workers on these new recommendations? There, there are two questions there. One is the uh, aspect of the uh, two-layer and three-layer mask. Um, so when, when you're selecting a mask uh, uh, as it relates to source control, um, and as opposed to personal protective equipment, you, you're, you should be looking at one that uh, to, has three layers, and those are the common ones that are sold out there that look like... Um, it kind of look like a surgical mask with the ear loops and they're usually blue in color. And uh, they have, they perform to a specific standard uh, to reduce exposures uh, to uh, particulates. And they're usually quite good because uh, they're, they're proven to be. It's the other source control types that uh, people may get or purchase or produce themselves, which is a fabric mask. And there, they're looking at the aspect of um, yeah, you, you can produce it at home, so making sure that you use three layers uh, to uh, provide you optimal protection. And um, you then they talk about using a filter, perhaps, uh, as the uh, in-between sandwich layer uh, to reduce exposure. And it, it's quite useful to do it that way because the obviously the more layers you have, the more level of protection that you have. But there's also the breathability component. And that's where the three layers comes into play. Ultimately, how this thing fits, irrespective of a respirator, uh, PPE, or as uh, source control, whether it's the fabric or the, uh, the surgical type blue mask that we see out there needs to fit properly. So making sure that even uh, that the uh, spaces between the uh, cheek and the um, material, uh, that you don't have gaping uh, spaces between them. Because ultimately, irrespective of how good your filtration capabilities with your mask, air goes through the path of least resistance. So it'll go through the side of the mask if you breathe in and create a negative pressure inside. So seal is just as important as the number of layers you're putting on with the mask. Other components of that, Marcel, are also, uh, you know, rather than uh, looking at just the two or three layers, making sure people are wearing it correctly, understanding why it's important to wear it correctly, because I've seen people put masks below their, uh, on their mouth, but below their nose, or on their chin, 
Um, the whole idea here is to cover both the mouth and the nose, especially for source control, so that you're protecting others around you and to a degree yourself as well. Because I found that some of these type of masks with the uh, two uh, uh, the, the different layers actually protect you to a degree from uh, particles in the air as well. So if the number of layers is important, but also the fit and consistent use of these pieces of equipment. The second part of your question regarding the color coding. Yeah, this is something relatively new in Ontario, right? Uh, other provinces like Quebec and Alberta already have something similar. And the World Health Organization has also alluded to this, and other jurisdictions around the, around the world have been using it. Um, it's a delineation of looking at um, the risk associated with exposures and what's happening in the general community and the hospital situation with respect to admittance, the number of deaths. So there's a, um, an algorithm that they use to determine the level of risk and then they create a color coding associated with that. And so what is an employer supposed to do when the municipalities get together and along with the government and create these different color codes is then how do you manage the risk? Part of managing that risk is masks, ensuring that people are wearing them and that there's actually a safety plan. So something in writing. So before that was kind of, you know, what we should wear a mask and some employers used to have a written policy. Now it's required to have a policy for not just masks, but other areas of control, like ventilation, um, ensuring that people understanding the importance of hand washing, and wearing masks, wearing them consistently, wearing them correctly, having it in writing, training people about it. Now, because apparently it's not that obvious as to the importance of wearing masks. And uh, by having it written, there's a level of consistency and making sure that people understand and follow the requirements. So they all play hand in hand um, with respect to um, uh, PPE in areas of highest uh, level of protection and source control that we all use when we go shopping or outside in enclosed spaces, um, outside of our homes in enclosed spaces when we go um, to either restaurants or um, um, grocery shopping, etc. I know there's been a lot of confusion and change uh over the recent months so I, I appreciate your your expertise there um second question is uh regarding employees wearing masks um are all employees actually required to wear a mask and how do you determine this and second to that um what if employees or customers actually choose to defy public health advice you know as this pandemic has evolved and it kind of goes back to your first question um, things have evolved and evolving constantly on this particular issue. And I think they will continue to do so uh, as we go through this pandemic and learn more information and um, as the new evidence comes up and uh, policies are developed. With respect to wearing masks, um, before it was, it was a good thing to do and now it's a required thing to do when we go out and um, uh, into uh, public spaces and even within the work environment. If, we're, if you can't be distanced from somebody else, ensuring that uh, you are wearing masks and uh, protecting other people around you by wearing it, and that they wear the mask to protect you. Um, so that that philosophy or practice has changed over time, and uh, I think it's a good one. And it, it's, a, it's a very old practice to wear a mask, so this is nothing new. I mean, this has been happening for you know, many, many years. 
uh, in different societies, and now it's come to North America and worldwide for that matter, uh, to be wearing masks during these situations. And I think with the um, with the cold and flu season coming along, it'll be just as important, if not more so this year, uh, to consistently be wearing these pieces of equipment to protect others. When you talk about the uh, defiance against wearing a mask, well, if there's a legitimate reason with respect to a medical condition or uh, a similar scenario like that, that would uh, prohibit or um, uh, be difficult for a person, there are other alternatives that should be considered. And um, uh, you, you'll, you'll see people wearing uh, face shields. Uh, but certainly, they don't offer the level of protection of a uh, mask, mind you, because of the... Um, once again, open spaces again, all around the uh, particular facial. Uh, so maybe yeah, it's it's limiting the amount of time that the persons are around one another. Uh, and if required, uh, and that and that that can be done, then wearing uh, these pieces of uh, source control uh, in situations like that. I think in this day and age, there are also other avenues uh, socially with respect to being able to be distanced and. Um, uh, either going doing grocery shopping virtually, et cetera. So there are other new options that are available out there that um, are, are more prominent now than they ever were uh, to avoid exposure and uh, or getting exposed. Fair enough. In terms of masks, there's disposables, reusables, cloth, respirators. With so many options available, how should employers or safety leaders go about selecting masks for their staff? There was such a huge variety, I, I, I ended up having to create a table for this and looking at who was doing what and why. And so I ended up creating a table that looked at um, respirators, filtering face pieces, right? So th this is equipment that we've always had in industry and a variety of um, work environments uh, prior to COVID-19 where people are protecting themselves against the environmental factors, whether it's um, airborne particulates or vapors or gases, and they're usually tight fitting. And um, you've seen people wearing them. They're kind of um, looked at, has at the elastomeric face piece, uh, the, half, the half face respirator with the cartridges. And um, the thing with those is that they have an exhalation valve. So they're, they're great for certain types of procedures and situations. And where we find ourselves today is because of the lack of supply and availability, those are very difficult to come by. And so then you revert to looking at what else do we have available? Well, there's surgical masks that uh, you usually see doctors and dentists wear. And they also comply to a specific standard out there as to why they're being worn so that they don't get blood sprayed on them and they don't penetrate through the mask. So those are being... Uh, uh, you know, given to uh, medical care workers who really are in need of them, the frontline workers. So then you get into the whole area of KN95. That's something new. That wasn't on the market in Canada or the United States. And that because they are based on a Chinese standard that they comply to. The other two that I refer to was uh, the N95 that we commonly hear about with the respirator. That's regulated by, well, not regulated, but um, uh, NIOSH sets the standard for that. With a surgical mask, the ASTM sets the standard as to what is a good mask and what it needs to comply to. The KN95 is available, and it comes from the, uh, the Chinese standards that are out there uh, addressing this particular issue. And they are respirators too. And so when an employer can't find the um, N95 rated mask, 
the uh, KN95. It looks kind of different, uh, but it, the level of efficiency is there. And if you are going to that, making sure you buy from a reputable supplier. The uh, NIOSH has actually conducted tests from different suppliers. The uh, Food and Drug Administration in the United States actually gives guidance on suppliers out there, uh, the reputable ones, to who to purchase from. So buyer beware, caveat emptor, right, in a situation like that in this day and age. For, sure. For you and I, as citizens in the environment, looking at what we can do, and where we know we're not creating you know, toxic dust from our industrial process, perhaps, or particulates or gases and vapors, well, we resort to the non-medical masks. And stuff that now you can go to virtually any hardware store or grocery store, and you can find these things available there. And, um, or you can manufacture them yourselves at home. Right, the non-medical type mask, and um, so that so it depends on the risk that you're looking at, uh, Marcel. As we uh, talked about before, with the color of our coding scheme, with the framework that's being looked at, it depends on where you need this level of protection and availability of them is what dictates what uh, you'll be using within the work environment. Uh, this adds a whole layer of complexity as to what we want to be able to do, but what is actually available on the market that we can actually go and get. The environment slowly changed. If you can't find an N95 mask, there's also NIOSH has the R and P rating. So for oil proof and oil resistant. And so maybe we can look at other types of masks and filters out there to achieve the same end goal. So now we're having to be a little bit more creative than we had to before in finding different types of approved masks that are out there. Uh, that we can actually access. But once again, they're, they're usually harder to come by, and that's one of the reasons why we're into the non-medical mask that uh, we're resorting to, that most people would find helpful and useful in going out uh, um, and doing their day-to-day -day duties and uh, going to work. Yeah, Wagish, this next question might sound repetitive uh, after all you've shared about the KN95, for example, but I want to dive into the N95 a little further. And obviously, it's a widely desired respirator for frontline medical workers. Are there other industries that also require this type of PPE traditionally? And if so, what type of viable alternatives can you suggest? I'm assuming it would be what you've mentioned previously. Yeah, so it's being a little bit creative, Marcel, looking at, um, yes, N95 is what we've always used as our uh, purchasing standard for our particular work environment where we have emissions taking place in industry. Um, whether it's a, um individual cutting stone or concrete, or it could be somebody in a food industry where particles are generated because of spices, perhaps. Or it could be an automotive shop where a person is doing some welding. So yeah, N95 well, you know, worked quite well, and uh, there's also N95 is what you commonly hear, by the way. There's also N99 and N100. Similarly, there's R95, R99, and R100. Are they readily available? Not necessarily so. But there's another category called P. So there's P95, P99, and P100. You can actually find P100 um, uh, filters out there. Um, yeah, uh, available in industry. And so now we're looking at, okay, what else can we use in the, in when there's a lack of supply of these N95? So looking at alternate um, types of approved respirators uh, to use in that scenario. So if that's not possible, then looking at the KN95 as, as a potential option. But once again, 
um, beware of uh, who you're purchasing from. And uh, these are respirators. And, um, you know, they're, they look different because, you know, they have two straps as well, but they don't go behind your head. They go around your ear. Mm-hmm. And th- they are pretty good with, for what they're intended for. Um, but you, you have to be careful, right? I mean, they're not intended for gases and vapor. They're intended for particulates. And uh, once again, uh, you get into situations of fit testing and things like that. Can a um, KN95 be fit tested? And the answer is yes, because it's a respirator. Um, will you always succeed with that? Well, that's a difficulty with respect to the fitting because of this ear, whole ear loop situation as opposed to the two bands behind the head. So then you look at, just a second, we have the hierarchy of controls. So why are we relying on respirators? Are there other ways we can reduce exposures to people? So are there, is there a ventilation that we could potentially put in there? Are there work methodologies that we could look at? Are there administrative controls? Uh, are there other ways of doing this particular job to reduce the level of dust that's generated? So I think we, 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 it doesn't work just in isolation of relying on respirators. Uh, Marcel, looking at, um, looking at it holistically, what else could we have in place uh, when in, in, under these circumstances to help protect an individual's health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we always should have been doing that, but we resorted to the uh, respirator component because it, it is effective. Yeah, it's cheap. And, um, uh, but there are, it's not uh, an absolute uh, a solution that, we, uh, that we're putting into place. Yeah, but when we have a group of controls put into place, that's where you get the most um, yeah, benefit for the industry, for the individual, uh, from exposure to uh, those types of situations. Now, that's for the general industrial type situation for masks. So I, I think there are other alternatives and uh, creative ways to look at uh, control, Marcel, uh, aside from respirators. Uh, although the topic is on masks, I think we need to look at it from a broader perspective for controls uh, within the workplace. Yeah, Wagish, that's a very good point. Um, and thank you for sharing that. I do have one more question for you on the subject of masks, however, and that is uh, around current best practices for safely handling, using, and disposing them. Uh, is, can you outline uh, the, the, the basic best practices on that, Wagish? Is that something that's well sure. known? Marcel, I I find it very fascinating because I don't find $20 bills laying on the ground, but I do find math laying on the ground. So if people are dropping these things, it's like, why? Mm. Uh, They're contaminating our environment. They're not being disposed of properly. And somebody else has to now pick up that piece of equipment, which is potentially contaminated. Uh, I think everyone has a responsibility if you're using disposable type masks to dispose of them properly, which is putting it in the garbage. They don't have to be handled in any special way as long as they're putting into a trash bag where somebody else doesn't have to put their hands and pick it up and potentially recontaminate something else with it. People treat these things in order there's um, uh, an individual in my company. It's like if you had a toothbrush, would you be putting your toothbrush up on your dashboard or putting it on the ground or on the floor and putting it back in your mouth? No, you wouldn't do that. So similarly, it's the same analogy. Why are you doing that with a mask? And the most common um, you know, mirror decoration that I see nowadays is these masks. By the way, that's a hazard too, because for another reason of uh, creating a new blind spot for you. But um, aside from that, um, you know, handling these things and storing them properly so that you don't contaminate something else. Even if it's a fabric mask, 
making sure that you take it home. Uh, use a Ziploc bag if it's contaminated at that point. And, um, and don't recontaminate something else with it. Put it in a plastic bag, put it in the laundry with the um, soap and water. It's proven to be effective in, um, uh, in making sure that you've cleaned the mask properly, dry it out, and it's reusable. Um, so there, it's very important that we uh, handle these things in a effective and safe manner, not just for ourselves, but so that other people aren't um, having to um, get exposed to it, and that we're not contaminating other surfaces by, uh, you know, disposing them improperly or storing them improperly uh, within our own automobiles and um, uh, areas within our home. And I think it's, it's very important that uh, that's because you can't see this microorganism doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And SARS-CoV-2 isn't the only microorganism that we need to be concerned about because with the influenza coming, that's going to be there too. Uh, you know, looking at it once again, um, that it's not just SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 that um, the disease that we have to be worried about. It's it's, it's other things that these microorganisms cause uh, that are uh, that are in our environment that always have been there and will continue to be there. And with all of that, uh, Marcel, I think it's just so important that we, you know, handle these things gingerly and making sure that we wash our hands and uh, if water is not available in your automobile, using hand sanitizer uh, in between uh, to ensure that um, you know, we don't cross-contaminate potentially uh, other uh, surfaces, including our own uh, eyeballs, nose, and mouth. Now, uh, when we have contacted the outside of the mask, um, when we're uh, removing it, um, and remembering those precautions as well as using the mask. Well, Gish, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise on masks. I hope this information is of benefit to those who may have been struggling in this area of workplace safety. Once again, thanks and wish you a great day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada. To hear more of our episodes or to find the latest workplace safety headlines from across the country, visit ohscanada.com.